mic check one two one two welcome to the for your thoughts podcast where psychology pop culture and self meet it is me penny and nasty back at it again with another episode how are you guys like what's what's uh, what's tea um checking in with y'all and make sure that you're checking in with yourself when you listen to this like do a little body scan do a little head scan do a little heart scan um check in with yourself to see like am i am i good do i need to adjust or change anything um but yeah y'all another episode is here we are going to get into these updates get into the pen letters, all of the things franny is not doing okay franny the fern our girlfriend the fern is suffering because her mom has been neglectful but honestly i've been watering her okay this is what happened i dropped her i told y'all i dropped her and so when i brought her back like when i put everything back in it's like i guess the roots kind of split so now she has two roots and i think she's just confused and one of them is dying because it got rained in and then the other one is kind of sprouting so franny is just she was looking a little slow right now she like i don't even know what to say but um i'm gonna get some help to repot her so hopefully after that she will begin to flourish again and not have any like brown nasty looking leaves so yeah y'all pray for franny y'all pray for our girl franny um what else are the updates i feel like okay so last speaking of franny and just greenery and shit last episode i said i was team green team and i definitely lied i'm more like a one-hit wonder like a charger you know what i'm saying like i thought so but it's giving still might very much so but no and i'm very okay with that because it's just not my thing but i do definitely enjoy being a one-hit wonder i think that's more so what i meant by that so i'm not out here like wiz khalifa currency you know like Black and yellow, black and yellow. Mm-mm. Like, that's not what I'm doing. But definitely a one-hit wonder if y'all catch my drift. Um, what else has been going on, y'all? I want to just, like, kind of check back in again with outside opening back up. We are, we are all going through, like, a transition. And we've been going through so much, like, this past two years. So it's really, really, really important that... If, if any time you guys are getting y'all's therapy sessions in, getting y'all's workouts in, doing, doing what y'all need to do, um, if you're feeling like you're less productive than you were during the pandemic, like figure out that balance of being social and also getting your shit done and also making sure you have your alone time, making sure you're having your family time. And just like getting back in that in a good way. I feel like this, it's not going to ever be the same as it was pre-pandemic. It's just going to be a new thing. So create whatever that new thing looks like for you. And one thing, it's like I no longer, like FOMO really doesn't exist anymore. If you really, well actually it does with this, with all this going on. But technically we were able to enjoy ourselves with just ourselves. So just always remember that like outside is going to be there forever. I'm talking to myself and maybe some of you guys but yeah um as of lately ooh, okay so we finally got our house all the way together um well together enough to like you know host parties and cute things like that so we finally hosted like a casamigos and rasta pasta night it was super fun it was um just real light i had a lot of friends over i will say that half my girls were not there but they'll be there next time 
a lot of people came through. They, shout out to y'all if y'all are listening. And we played bingo. We played a bunch of games. It was like it was like a co- like how like you know chill college type of night like back in the day, just like chilling, like nothing too serious, just a good you know fun time, just on some chill shit, on some bonding type stuff. So that was really cute, and I've been really into just kind of continuing to create experiences with the people that I love and memories that will last a lifetime. So my girls came and we just had a weekend full of like different activities. It just felt so good to just like be with them and do things again, even traveling and stuff. It just has been just so much fun. Make sure you are giving like the people that you love their flowers right now and trying to engage. And um, even if you have to reach out to a friend like over and over again to, you know, hang out, like give people their flowers make sure you're creating those memories make sure that you are still building and bonding um and being intentional with that uh because things get so lost in the sauce these days you could like not hang out with somebody for so long and you think that like you know everything from instagram so make sure you're calling people texting people checking on people um this life is so short we learned that it any day now like it, it could happen to anybody any day we could just not be here anymore so i've just been overtly intentional with hanging out with the people that I want to keep in my life and making sure they know that I'm there. I could do better with the people that aren't here with calling and texting and stuff like that. Um, Definitely trying to get better at that every single day and just making sure I'm in tune because we all we got. We're all we got. Seriously. So outside of the fun and stuff, um, your girl was... um, selected for the who's who of the African diaspora. It's, and it will be like announced and come out sometime this fall. That was so unexpected. I didn't apply for it or anything like that. It was just all based off of people like finding me and people, you never know who's watching. You never know who's watching. I've said this a lot before, but if you know knew me growing up, we were very much so Americanized. So my goal for like, these next years and to come is to make sure that I am intentionally like getting to know so much more about where I'm from, um, going there so much more and just being like way more immersed in who I am. You know what I'm saying? Kenya, what it do, baby boo? Who would have thought? And so soon. I didn't think anything like that would happen so soon. But you just never know who's watching. And also goes to say, I think people really get confused and think that like, you got to have a lot of followers to like have an impact or to be seen. But it's really about who you are and if you're authentic, authentic to yourself and like your influence truly. The followers and whatever might come, but what are you doing behind the scenes? Like what are, you know, who are you for real? Is there anybody else like you? Are you copying or are you truly being who you are? Like those are the things that matter. No one really cares about followers. Some of the Richest people don't have any followers, like, you know what I'm saying, don't have followers or whatever the case may be. Keep doing what you're doing. Um, it's recognized. It will be recognized. Someone's always watching. And then another dope ass thing. This is another, this actually goes right in with what I'm saying. Nezzy, Nezzy, who is Alexis, who is my engineer as well. And Nezzy was on the podcast. She was on, I think, episode 14 called or 15 called Love Trip. She was featured on Obama's playlist, y'all. Obama's summer playlist. Do y'all understand what that does to your streams? Like it's a, it shoots up. 
So she had under maybe like around 300, you know, streams or something like that on this one song. And now it's like over like thousands and thousands. I don't even know what it is at this point now, but a little backstory on that. They're actually going to come and tell the story. But Alexis and Nezzy wrote that song during the pandemic when they were super depressed on unemployment. Um, just a lot was going on with them. It's called So Hard. I'm going to put the link in bio for sure. And they wrote it and um, they weren't going to put it out. They were struggling with putting it out or not putting it out. And they just put it out anyway. It wasn't getting any attention. And um, they kind of regretted putting it out. And then randomly, y'all, boop, Obama. Like, on some God shit. Like, that is only godly. That's only... On, God will do some crazy things if you believe. I'm so proud of you guys. Alexis, Nezzy, like, keep going. Um, I'm so happy to be surrounded by people like you guys as well. Creators who are also believers. Like, it's just... It's a great, great thing. So, it's just wild. That's so crazy. Like, Jasmine Sullivan was freaking out because she was on that playlist. And our girl Nezzy is on there. Y'all are going to hear more about this story later. So I'm not even going to continue. But shout out to you. I'm going to put the playlist also in the bio. So yeah, let's get into change. That's it for our updates. For change this week, I want to shout out Red Table Talk and Jada Pickett-Smith. They had this episode come out last week about alcoholism and women. And just kind of how like wine culture and brunch culture is kind of like glorified and sold commercially um, when really some people are actually, you know, abusing alcohol. I don't, I don't even want to say alcoholism. I don't even like to say that, but abusing alcohol or could make better choices when it comes to their drinking habits. So I'm going to play this clip right here about the episode. And then I want you guys to go and check it out and let me know what you think about it. Attention, ladies. For the first time in history, women are drinking as much as men. Ask yourself a serious question. Are you drinking too much? (laughs) I was going for that third bottle of wine. I said, you've got a problem. Alcohol is being glamorized. Wine Wednesdays. Girlified. Bottomless mimosas. Sold as a lifeline to sanity. Well, wine glasses that say wine is cheaper than therapy. It's a normalization of heavy drinking. How much is too much? I could down a bottle in like an hour and a half. These are the new faces of alcoholism, and they're not who you'd expect. The teacher of the year, a New York attorney, a corporate vice president, plus the four questions that could save your life. That's my kryptonite. I cannot be around vodka. It's a red table wake-up call. The real livers coming in? Those are real livers. Not gonna lie, and if you guys are like me, it's like, that was very dramatic, you know? But, you know, it's like mainstream TV and that's kind of how they do things. That's not really how we ever do it over here. So I can understand if that was like triggering or kind of weird or just like, oh my God, like, all right. Uh, I totally get it, Um, especially that one clip. But the whole episode is so informational. It's just a a thought-provoking conversation um, around surrounding the way that we connect, the way that we have fun, the way that we celebrate, and just our mind, body, soul. And of course, if you are abusing any substance, it's going to have some type of toll on your mental, in a sense. So that's why I'm talking about it. So listen to this clip, and if you like it, go ahead and watch. 
I just want to give them change for having these really tough conversations. You know, um, Jada Pickett talks about her battle with alcoholism. She is she doesn't drink anymore. That was her thing. But she was able to be who she is while being functioning, you know, so abusing a substance doesn't have a look. It's not just the guy who's like on the street, like with a 40, you know, homeless. That's that's not always it. So I just want you guys to think about that for yourselves, anybody around you and just, you know, just to have that thought. So, but yeah, y'all, let's get into our pen pal letters. Okie dokie. So for today, okay, well, first of all, make sure that you guys already know the deal. Email me y'all's letters so I can be all up in your business at pennyperiodanassi at gmail.com, P-E-N-N-I-E period A-N-A-S-S-I at gmail.com. Put pen pal letters in the, um, what's that thing called? The subject line. And we'll definitely answer your questions or DM me on Instagram. So let me go to my DMs because I have one right here. I'm gonna read it. Okay, so this person says, I've been looking at reality TV for the longest and I finally see it in a different light. Would love to get your perspective on how reality TV can affect one's mental health. That's a good ass question. I think I love reality TV too. I used to watch it way more when I was younger. Like I was a Laguna Beach girl. I was a Keeping Up With The Kardashians girl. I was a The Hills girl. I was a College Hill girl. I was a Baldwin Hills girl. The real world. Actually, I was a reality TV girl. And what's crazy is when I was younger watching Laguna Beach, I'd be like, that's how I want my high school experience to be. And that's what I did. Like, because if I see something and I want it, I paint it, I do it, I try to create it. And thankfully, Laguna Beach wasn't like wild. It was a bunch of like privileged kids running around, like, you know, doing whatever. But I did do that. So, so I guess that goes to the first thing. Are you watching reality TV because you want to be these people? Are you recreating these negative things that are happening through reality TV? If you're doing that, then it's a negative. But if it's like positive things, then of course it's a positive. So I guess it's more so about the person who's watching. And lately I've been thinking about my main thing is like a lot of people ignore a lot of their personal problems and issues and submerge themselves into reality TV. But it's something to channel, you know, your thoughts to instead, instead of like solving your own problems and your own issues. It's like a coping, a coping mechanism for a lot of people. It's a problem that people really think that reality TV is real and it's not. Um, I want you guys to go back and listen to the episode I had with Jayla from the Bad Girls Club. We'll tell you all about the reality of reality TV. I'm going to put that link in here as well. So the first thing is like, if you're trying to recreate this life of these people that's not even realistic and it's a negative recreation, it's bad. It's why. Two, um, if you're using it to cope and like run away from, you know, whatever situations you have going on, you know, that's not okay either. Three, I do believe in a sense you are what you watch. So I'm always really careful about what I'm like putting in and like making sure that I'm standing strong and authentic in my mind and my thoughts and armed so that Nothing really could affect me in that way, but not everyone has got there yet. You know what I'm saying? Like some people, it will affect them in that way. So I think to each his own, 
to be honest. But I love a good kiki with reality TV. I'm not even gonna hold y'all. Like if it's on in the living room, I might tune in. Recall watching it as like escapism, to be honest, like watching that in high school and in college, um, it relieved my anxiety and kind of like put my mind into something else sometimes. So, which is with a lot of things, which is with almost a lot of the things that we do, but just find a healthy balance. All right, we're gonna move on to the actual episode. Hope you guys enjoy this little oral history situation that I'm about to have going on. Let's do it. Okay, so I basically went from Chicago with my girls to Houston to Tulsa. So we're gonna start with Chicago. And for Chicago, y'all know I love me some Kanye West. Y'all know that's my guy. Um, I've been waiting to start the new season also of The Shy. I've been waiting to start it. Um, and I love The Shy. That's one of my favorite shows. For some reason, those kids, I stand for them. Y'all know that. Um, and I've never been to Chicago. That's just not one place I was like, ooh, let me go to Chicago. Um, so I was super excited to see like what is up with Summertime Shy. So I have a friend of mine, John, just to give you guys from a Chicago perspective, the energy that is Summertime Shy. My name is John. I'm an educator and photographer from Chicago, Illinois. And what Summertime Shy means to me immediately when I read this question, I thought of myself um, anticipating Chicago summers as a kid. Summer camps always did like the super touristy Chicago stuff like Navy Pier, Lincoln Park Zoo, Field Museum, places like that. And as I got older and old enough to drive and my Chicago maps started to open up um, to different parts of the city, um, downtown area was... Um, like a huge hangout spot, the lakefront, super huge hangout spot in the summertime. If you know Chicago or know anything about Chicago, we really only acknowledge two seasons out of the year. Like only the winter and the summer exist. And our winters are extremely brutal, cold, um, gray, um, super depressing. And our summers are like the exact opposite. So um, I think six months out of the year having to endure um, literally every day where the sun does not shine to literally um, the next six months out of the year where it's beautiful sunshine, beautiful weather, um, always something to do, um, a day party, day drinking, um, the beach, things like that. And, you know, that kind of thing, those types of things flow into um, summertime shy nights, like our nights are still warm. So people are still outside, still on rooftop, still drinking. Um, so summertime shy is definitely very dear, close and dear to me. Um, and yeah, that's my take on summertime shy. So I'm going to tell y'all about like what we did there. We weren't able to go to the museums or do anything like that, which I will definitely do next time, like some historical artsy, artsy type stuff. We had this little boutique called the Ruby Room. Um, although we had to walk up some crazy ass steps to get to our room every day, shit was funny as hell. It was steep and just a lot, but um, it had a cute, quaint vibe um, and aesthetic and nice colors, a nice little feel. 
And it was also attached and a part of a healing spa where they have yoga, they do tarot card readings. I'm not about that life. I'm, I don't play with tarot card readings, but if you do, go for it. And I'm not against it either, but I'm just saying. They had chakra readings, which is what I wanted to do and like a lot of cool stuff. Um, the first day that we got there, Southwest lost me and my best friend Shelly's things, which was annoying, but we ended up stumbling across this cute little Mexican restaurant by the airport that was really, really good. I don't remember the name of it, but it was the closest one to that main airport. And I said that it was good because the food was like Texas Mexican food. I'm actually hungry right now and I'm thinking, my mouth is watering thinking about it. But I loved it because it reminded me of the food and the tacos back from home. I just feel like NYC don't be hidden with the Mexican food. And if you are listening from NYC and know a good Mexican restaurant and we're friends, take me. And if we're not friends, DM me because I want some good ass Mexican food. That reminds me of Tex-Mex. <laughs> so yeah, got to our room, got ready for the night. And we went to this spot called the Delta. Highly would not recommend that that was our dinner spot. A black owned fusion restaurant that I do not suggest that you go to. It's going to pop up when you Google black owned. So that's why I'm saying that there were so many other black owned spots and I'll talk about that later. And yeah. So anyways, after that, we go to this spot called Persona Lounge, you know, just a normal club type vibe, like bottles, sections, niggas, fun, popping bottles, standing on the couch, you know, like it was that whole thing, which was a good time, of course. So I will suggest Persona Lounge. If you guys want to go out, don't go early, get a section or or just do you. I mean, I just can't be in spaces like that with not in a section. And if you're a girl, just finesse, finesse a section. You already know the vibes. But um, yeah, so Persona Lounge. And then we go and get some pizza. I don't remember where we went to get pizza, but we went to bed because we had an early night, I mean, an early morning kayaking situation that was going down. Um, and I also want to say that Chicago is not like a hookah state. Like, it's not a place where people hookah. Then nothing like ATL, nothing like Houston or NYC. There were no hookahs at the spot, which is just different for people from the South, like Houston and, and Atlanta. We, we actually didn't find any all weekend. And you know we're all from Houston, so we love us some hookah with the, especially in a club now, come on now, or even in a lounge. The club really, that's crazy to have hookah because that will definitely burn somebody or whatever, but yeah. Anyways, um, fast forward to Saturday night or Saturday in the daytime, we do where we were supposed to go kayaking on the Chicago River, but it rained on us unexpectedly. So we adapted and me and my cousin went to go get a massage at the spa, which is very necessary. I will say that massages are a life hack. If you're ever feeling any, any type of way, go ahead, do some self-care and go and get you a massage. It's totally worth it. It's not even that expensive. Sometimes you can go on Groupon and they have loads of specials in your area. That is definitely a peace of mind tip, okay? So after that, we day partied um, and we partied and then we had another early early night because we're old. I'm like, dang, we weren't even really out all night like that in a sense. We had like dinner and then we'll try to find hookah again and then yeah, anyways, continue. So 
Then Sunday we went to the skyline and got to see like the tallest, I guess, point right now in America or something like that. One of the tallest points. That was dope. I love a good touristy situation. Um, and then we went to this black ass brunch spot called The Burrow, which I would recommend. The weight is insane, but the food is good. The vibes are good. It was super dope there. The food's fire. I love it there. Can't wait to go again and do more things. Um, but yeah, now I'm gonna tell you guys about Houston. Houston was really cool. Um, my highlights for Houston were definitely seeing my girl Winnie, Winter, Rose, Morgan, and my family. Um, me, my mom and dad, and my brother were outside. My mom has a garden, stuff like that, and she had us like picking managus, which is a uh, Kenyan greens. That was really cool because haven't done that ever um with them we did it in kenya but never here so she's finally gotten her garden together so that was so nice saban just learn more about our food our culture in our backyard with my parents my brother it was great and my daddy loves some anderson pock now he was jamming okay and then another highlight was me and my friends went to james harden's restaurant 13 I like it. I like it a lot. You know, you, you know they got hookah. Y'all know he got hookah in that spot. It was nice. It was good. They have two different areas. You can either have the dinner area, which you have to make reservations for, or the lounge area, which has a great happy hour. It's just like a vibe. You know what I'm saying? So love 13. Shout out to my friends that took me there. And yeah, y'all, we're going to move on to my time in Tulsa, which was really, really, really special. So the first stop was our friend's art exhibit. Mind you, my friend Shelly and Marlon and Brian, a lot of friends of mine from Houston have been in Tulsa doing the work to show awareness through art, bring awareness to what needs to happen in Tulsa for the black community through art and just share this their story authentically and not in a gaslighty, um, commercialized, manipulative ass way that they have been doing it, which I had no idea until I was there. You know what I'm saying? Had no idea that that's like what we see is not truly what is going on there, you know? So the art exhibit was called In Bloom, wildly present in this soil of art. It was just all about like showcasing our black joy, our blooming in our own soil, in our dirt, in our mess, still blooming, still shining, still smiling. What we, how we, how we do, how we do it. Um, it featured, it featured Mario Robinson, W.J. Lofton, and Brian Ellison from the Black Man Project. Joe, his name is What Is Joe Doing, and that's how people know him on Instagram and stuff like that. Our guy, like he, he's. His voice is like no other. He does the best covers and he's just a great artist and musician and um, fans came out and stuff to, to the exhibit to come see him and enjoy the exhibit. It was a really good time. That was night one. Day two was more so the, day two was actually Juneteenth. So the festivals, all that jazz. Um, but yeah, so the highlight of that day was taking a tour through Black Wall Street. So if you do visit and you want to get the real tea on Black Wall Street and everything like that, 
you should go to Black Wall Street Liquid Lounge. It is a Black-owned coffee shop. So uh, one thing that they mentioned a lot is that the names that we see in documentaries um, and in the news, the people who are speaking out on it aren't really the people who are there doing the work. They are just kind of like the public figures that are BSing in a sense is what they were trying to say. Um, I don't want to name any names or anything like that, but I feel like awareness is, is always good, but I guess they aren't really telling the full picture, which is what Papa E was saying. So this clip will explain that a little bit more. And so as you take tours, um, as you learn about different places, um, I just put an emphasis on learning the names. <clears throat> Reason being is here in Tulsa, whenever people teach uh, Hannibal, as you mentioned, Hannibal, he's the more notable one that's always on the TV, but um, they never put names to people who did. Now, it's, some of the names are known. Um, a lot of them aren't, and it was because nobody's asking for the names of who did. So most of Greenwood that you go through now, um, there's actually no black-owned buildings left inside of Greenwood. So you're looking at about 36 to 40 city blocks, and not one piece of that land is owned by black people anymore. Now, the historic buildings across the street, they are operated and managed by black people in the Greenwood Chamber of Commerce, which has some black people in it. Um, but at any day, okay. So basically, there are no Black-owned businesses at all on Black Wall Street right now. None. No one's thought to give them anything. Um, but yeah, listen to this. Even though they are, you know, they're having these different celebrations and putting finally um, the history of Tulsa on a map in such a way. No one has said, hey, let me give you back this land. No. So um, what happens here is every few years we get a token. And if black people accept the token, then they'll be quiet and leave us alone for a few months, few years. And then when we start to say, hey, you know, we start to voice our opinions on what's going on again, and it's like, okay, give them something else. So the park that he was referring to, D.C. Franklin Park, was the same thing. They did tear down that gymnasium. So then for years, people complained about what they did to it. It was the early 2000s. They decided, okay, well, we'll put an outdoor basketball court. So they did. And then we used that for a little while. And then a few years later, that wasn't enough. So then it was like, oh, okay, well, now we'll get the Oklahoma City Thunder to paint their logo on that same basketball court. That's outside. So during my little recap, I totally forgot an important, two important things. Um, Saturday morning, we did yoga on the Pathway to Hope. This is a perfect, um, like, segue because they were saying that they keep doing these symbolic situations to satisfy the black community, like a pathway to hope or like a park or whatever the case may be, a gymnasium, but no real work is happening. So they're happy about it. Like black, the black community is like, okay, lit off of it for a minute and then nothing changes. And then they do it over and over again. So we did yoga actually right underneath the pathway to hope. And what the pathway to hope is supposed to symbolize it. I'm just going to read it because your girl is tired. Okay, the Pathway to Hope will symbolically reconnect a Greenwood district 
bisected by I-244 during Tulsa's urban renewal phase in the 1960s and 70s. What some locals called urban removal displaced citizens and businesses and plowed through Black Wall Street, Tulsa's thriving Black businesses, business district known throughout the land. The Pathway to Hope will acknowledge this history, elevate Black Wall Street icons, and encourage present-day healing of the past, yet lingering wounds. That's what the Pathway to Hope means, basically. So we did it underneath that symbolically. It was an amazing experience, um, spiritual experience for a lot of us. But then we still go back to the thought of, but yo, okay, this highway cute and all, but nobody owns any black buildings right here. So what's really good? You know what I'm saying? That's basically what's going on there. And as I read on, it's like the 1921 Tulsa Race Massacre Centennial Commission, the 100-year situation, together with other community groups, provided an invaluable input of creation of a $5 million project. That was a $5 million project that could have gone to something else, the descendants that could have gone to an actual building. They don't need that goddamn thing. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's so crazy to me. Um, so, yeah, it's a, it, that's what basically Papa E um, was saying in a sense. Like, they just keep doing this stuff and it's unnecessary. It's fake. It's just for show. son actually was here, too, John Hofrank. So they named that park John Hofrank Park, Reconciliation Park. So it's about, it's supposed to be about massacre and things of that nature. So... They built the park and was like, here, black people, you got a park now. And then when we didn't go to that park, it's like, oh, okay, well, we got to figure out something else to do. And so now it's okay. We tore up 400 businesses in order to put that highway through. So instead of just giving that back, we'll tear up part of this highway and we'll make a pathway where you can walk to that park that we built uh, years ago. <laughs> so... On top of that, um, they kind of mentioned that, so I was getting clips like here and there, you know, just recording. And then I was like, wait, this is, this is a lot of really good information that I want you guys, wanted to share with you guys. But um, so in the conversation, they were just kind of talking about how when they realize that too many black people are living in the same space or area, they, do something to remind them that yo, this is not your this is not your space, um, or to disrupt it, or it's really triggering, honestly. Um, but just listen to this next part. Hispanics live east, whites live south. Now the whites are coming back towards the north side. The neighborhood I live in is actually called Brady Heights, so it was named after Tate Brady because this mansion is one street over from where I am, Miles Street. Uh, but it wasn't named Brady Heights until it became a black neighborhood. When it was still a white neighborhood, no need to put Brady Heights. But the moment it got all black, now we have to remind people where they are. Wow. So uh, the house is actually owned by former NFL player named Felix Jones. He was born and raised here, went to Booker T. Washington High School, played for the Cowboys and the Steelers. So he bought it and he uses it as like a black venue space. So. So one of the little girls that we were with asked about like the term nigga or Negro. She genuinely wanted to know what it was, where it came from, and this is what they had said. Family and American family. But Negro is just 
black. That was one of the that was the nicer way of saying black for what they had. They had a worse name for it. Negro became acceptable, but that was a way to kind of separate people. Um, that's actually what Black Wall Street was for Black Wall Street. Booker T. Washington said it reminded him of a Negro Wall Street. So that's how it got his name, Black Wall Street. But people here just call it Greenwood. How many of you in here are familiar with the name of Alfonso Williams? Alfonso Williams. Represent the second coming alive of George Carlson. Alfonso Williams on ballroom is still standing on a passion called an all capital ballroom straight across the street from American Beauty Project. I mentioned Alfonso Williams to you because Alfonso Williams on the Rose Room, the Eagle Bar, your cab, the service station right next door to the Eagle Bar. He gave that land that I mentioned by B.C. Franklin to the city for young blacks to have a park and no one ever said thanks. Even on the grocery store. He bought houses straight across from the Eagle Bar and let people stay in them who could not afford to. So Alfonso Williams had a hotel and a living space for people during that time um, and never got a thank you, which is one of those people that are like left in history. So that's what Papa E was talking about in that last clip, if you guys could hear. She hired more black folks than any company in the history of Tulsa, Oklahoma but you don't even know his name. That's how that our heroes die. That's how we don't have the things we should have because we don't do what we supposed to do. And I'll say this, and you won't like me for saying this, and it's all right because I'm not like telling the truth. We need to stop giving Jesus and God, all our problems that he gave us the ability to address ourselves mm -hmm. and stop using that getting out of bearing any responsibility by saying, I'm just going to put it in the hands of the Lord. He gave everybody in this room everything he gave anybody on this planet. Eyes, ears, nose, brain, and all the rest of that. And I say this to you in my travels, and I've been fortunate. Every city that I have traveled to, where there's an appreciable amount of African American, not in some cases, but in every case, they represent 
the poorest people in that city. So as you guys can hear, Papa E was spitting for real, for real. Um, and he does come from a time where people, all they knew was to pray. I believe that prayer is very, very powerful. But as we all know, prayer without works is dead. And what he was basically saying is stop praying for things that we can literally do. Like it's like we always say, God's not a genie. He gave us the skills and the tools to do that, to use that. In this last clip, Marlon is explaining, um, cause we were kind of like, okay, like where's the hope? You know, like what can we do now? What principles should we stand on now to um, continue to fight this fight? And this is what Marlon Hall had to say. So this part of the audio cut off, but Marlon was saying that they used to play a game where it's like with the kids where they gave them a dollar and they wrote their name on the dollar. And um, throughout the day, you'll use a dollar, play a game, and you'll see like where your money ends up and like within the community, just to teach the kids about community and circulating within the community and the importance of it. Super cute. I'm definitely gonna do that with, with my little badass kids. But all right, continue to listen. We're almost done. You find that dollar by the end of the day. Wow. So the dollar has circulated that many, that, that many times in the community. It was a natural game. Isn't that odd wow. to think about? You write your name on a dollar in the morning, and by the end of the day, you know, you go to the, get a popsicle, you go to do this, you go to do that, and then the last time you spend your money in change, you get your own dollar that you just, because, so cooperative economics. And the second was really an understanding that they were up to something bigger than, than anything that they had ever done. You know what I mean? They were up to, and I, you know, of course, y'all, these are all people who, I spiritually believe in and with. Y'all know it was the divine purpose. Mm -hmm. They knew that they were here for something that was bigger than where they came from. These were all misfits who fit together here. Mm -hmm. So old Derby Gerland, and I love what Cody said, like he didn't call his own boys and his friends. Mm -hmm. He called people who he knew were competent. Mm -hmm. And they yeah. came here and he also knew two things. They were competent, but also they probably were too big for their own britches where they came from. But here they had room, you know what I'm saying? So like being up to something bigger than yourself was another principle. And then the last for me that I've learned from, from people like Cody and Poppy Eaton is that, man, if, if you spend, it probably takes about a month. If you spend a month in Tulsa, there is an ancestral density to the voice that the ancestors speak here. So it cut off on that point, but basically he was saying that the way that we can continue to fight the fight is to still use the same principles that our ancestors used. And that last point was basically like, go to wherever you're from, talk to your grandparents, your great grandparents, the people in the neighborhood who are still alive, listen to them, be in that space and that energy. And you know, it will it will revive you if you if this is the fight that you're trying to fight and make an impact. So yeah, y'all, that is my little travel episode. Thanks for rocking with me. Um, so for peace of mind, I'm gonna leave you guys with this quote. Sometimes the journey is about becoming something, but a lot of the times it's about unbecoming everything that really isn't you. So you can be who you were meant to be in the first place.